this, the pig is back with great tips from people working in the fields of international relations, current affairs and history. They sift through all that's out there to give you some of the special gems to read, watch and listen to. This month, we're joined by Olivia Piri-Griffiths from the Centre for Information Resilience. That's a not non-for-profit. That's a non-profit that investigates war crimes and counters disinformation. And also Deborah Barros-Leal Farias, who is a senior lecturer in politics and international relations at UNSW. She's helped us here on Saturday Extra before to understand the intense political madness of the last Brazilian election. And I hope she's recovered. Welcome to you both. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, it's, yeah, recovery is a is an ongoing process. It's an ongoing. It's, going. Yes. <laughs> it's a work in progress. Okay. Now, let's start with books because you never know. We might all have just a titch more time to read during the Anzac Day holiday. Olivia, what's your pick? Uh, Geraldine, firstly, thanks for having me. Uh, look, this book really arrested me. It's called The Naked Don't Fear the Water by a journalist called Mathieu Akins, who from memory is Canadian and also part Mongolian. Uh, he spent a long time in Kabul and in around 2016, this is a true story and this book is a non-fiction, he decided to uh, go on the refugee trail from Afghanistan to Europe uh, with his friend and Afghan national Omar. So he ditches his passport and goes on this trip to see what the experience of a refugee is actually like. And it's completely visceral, it's terrifying, it's joyful, it's, it just knocked me over. And, I mean, um, he really does walk in the shoes of his friend, Omar, yeah. and he doesn't bail out as a journalist or travel writer might do. And this is quite an interesting part of the book, isn't it? Mm. Do they make it to Europe? Oh, should I give that away? <laughs> I think you should Spoiler go. alert. Yeah. Look, they, they do, um, but not without a lot of challenge. And uh, look, the book isn't left with a happy ending necessarily, but it's um, it certainly makes you think. Uh, look, I must say, when I was reading the sort of pricey and everything, that business of having a passport that you can mm. actually access was very powerful. I must say, I'd never thought of it quite like that. Mm. Uh, so uh, where did he put this passport? Where, where did he deposit it, as it were? I think from memory he leaves it with some friends um, who he's certainly not, uh, who he doesn't have access to when he's on this trip. Gee, that's brave. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's, it's a really... Not as hard as Omer's job, but anyway. No, exactly. And, you know, people like Andrew Quilty have spoken about that sort of conflict before of being so connected to a place, but then also realising that you have the privilege to be able to just leave when you want. And so Matthew Akins, this journalist, really tries to change that position mm -hmm. so he's in the same situation as his friend Omar. And Deb, what are you suggesting for a good read? Well, this one is an, is an older book. I mean, it's from 2008 and it's a book called The Box. And as weird as it sounds, it's a book that tells the story of the container and it's actually really fascinating, mm -hmm. <laughs> which, you know, I've, I've told this to students and sometimes they, they, you know, they don't really trust me. Like, how can a book about a story of the container? The shipping container, you mean? Mm. The shipping container, mm -hmm. right? Why would anybody want to, you know, read that unless you're like a super nerd in this area? But what I find fascinating is because the shipping container is something that it's so ubiquitous now. It's so normal that you see it and that's how transport is made. But if you think of it, you know, in the 1950s, in the 1960s, you still didn't have this as the main way of transporting things. You still needed harbors like we did, you know, millennia and millennia where you had human bodies carrying sacks of things and 
you know, it's old school, old school ways of transporting stuff. And essentially, there's this whole discussion first about, you know, many people saying, yeah, a container would be a good idea. But then all the infighting that goes with, well, what is its shape? What should be the standard that everybody's using? And more importantly, it goes into all the impact that it's had. So if you think, for example, of Darling Harbor or Fisherman's Wharf in um, in San Francisco or so many piers like in uh, Manhattan and so many other places that have had to rethink their existence because they're no longer used traditionally for for, mm. for shipping, which was their first thing. And so it really opens up about how what seems like a very dull technical innovation, you know, sure, shipping uh, uh, containers, but it shows how so many countries and so many different places have really exploded in their importance, um, how in some areas like cities or certain regions have actually disappeared or have had to be reinvented. So how things change, right? You don't need people living close to the harbor or making things next to the harbor. You can have them kilometers and kilometers away as long as the container can be put on a train, can be put on a lorry and taken to where it has to be. So I'm just going to say, because it's the box, colon, how the shipping container made the world smaller and the world economy bigger. It's by Mark Levinson. Now I want to move to the world of audio. And Olivia, you're interested in how how we need to preserve our capacity to disagree with one another Hmm. in a civil way and how there's a tendency now to dismiss opponents and people with different views and treat them with contempt, and that's an important word. What's got you thinking more deeply about this? Well, Geraldine, I was just about to disagree with you and say, no, that's you got it all wrong. That's not what I'm interested in at all. Um, no, but you're quite right. Uh, I went to the Festival of Dangerous Ideas at the towards the end of last year and Waleed Ali and Scott Stevens were doing a piece for the Minefield Live uh, on their quarterly essay for the monthly or for the quarterly essay on how contempt is corroding democracy. And it was a, a follow-on from a piece that Waleed wrote about Uh, woke politics and cancel culture and how this sort of polarised aggression between in society is only driving us further and further away from the sort of social, what's the best way to describe it? Well, the cohesion. I mean, Exactly. It's a project that we're all here creating together. And the the loss of the ability to argue, you know, Mm. know, Robert Mann, the Melbourne thinker, has been talking about this for ages. The ability to argue, it doesn't mean dispute. Mm. It, It means go back and forth and rebut, do it you know, even if you're challenged, that seems that's what they were getting at. And that's right. And that's, if you think about it, that's the whole point of a democracy, right? If we don't have that function within it, then we don't have one at all. Yes. Social capital, that was sort of a huge part of um, uh, Robert Putnam's arguments Mm. in the early 2010s, that that was called bridging social capital, that you could really make, um, have a decent discussion with someone with whom you totally disagreed. And then there was bonding capital, which was more on a personal basis. You know, his contention was that it was that broader bridging capital Mm. that was actually critical to democracy. I'm going to need to read that. (laughs) But yeah, I think um, it's another thing that it sort of raises is our, our need for curiosity that I think we're potentially losing grip of. Now, Deb, you've got two listening suggestions that are not terribly far from this in a way. 
Yeah, no, I mean, one of them, it's really, it's it's roughly around the same topic. I mean, it is a bit of a self-promotion self because the suggestion is um, a podcast, a series of podcasts on defending democracy that have been made by Malcolm Turnbull. And I had the opportunity, I was invited to talk about Brazil and talk about, there's one of the episodes where I'm talking about um, Brazilian politics and talking, um, you know, especially about the invasion that happened inside our capital, let's say on January 8th, and um, talking about fake news and comparing a little bit Brazil and Australia in elections. And so he interviews, um, I think it's six episodes, and in each one it's interviewing people from different places and yeah, talking about you know, how can we defend democracy? So that's the nerd one. And the other one is the band that unfortunately I discovered them, like I discovered them only one month after they had played in Sydney, um, which is uh, Krugenbin. And I'm probably also butchering their name. They're a band from Texas. And it's kind of neo, neo soul, neo jazz. I don't know how you classify mm. it, but it's just so good. Like I've mm. been obsessed with them for the past two months. Well, let's have a listen. And that's, uh, I would say it's Kruangbin, K-R-K-H-R-U-A-N-G-B-I-N. Now, of course, people who are more up to date with these would, would <laughs> probably got another view. <laughs> but it is very, it's very soothing, isn't it, Deb? Yeah, it, it feels like the kind of music that you want to be, you know, you, you find yourself maybe in an open space and it, they, they have a lot of... Um, like instrumental songs and all of them you just feel like I want to sit and just look at people and see the sunset while mm. I'm, I'm listening to this. You know, it, it's mm. one of those musics that kind of takes you into a different atmosphere. I it's, love that song really as good. well. I love that song, Deb. I was so glad you... And, and I'm that. going to toss in uh, Alexis French. If you're in, you want that mood um, to just soothe yourself, an exquisite, exquisite piano playing, very gentle, um, an African-American man from, uh, I think, um, New Orleans, just fantastic. Just mm. before we leave, what was the, the best example from the Turnbull podcast series, Defending Democracy? Which, if you could tell us, Deb, who impressed you most in terms of reflecting their society that was really dealing with cohesion best? Um, I think it's it's um, Kissinger. So he's one, he's a, a representative in the US Congress and he's the one who's on the January 6th commission. And he's someone that I think really encapsulates this struggle that in the US, the Republican Party is, is going through. That, you know, it goes back to that conversation about how do you move on and, you know, what are the things that you can agree to disagree? But at the same time, there are some things that you can say, no, we can't agree to disagree that it was a fair election and that Trump lost, yeah. mm. like he lost. Um, so it, it, it also shows, I think, this challenge of how do you deal with 
um, fake news? And at what point do mere opinions become actually fake news that are dangerous well, for society? That well, was, that was what the Dominion lawyer said, wasn't it? One yes. of the best things when he yes. came out of that settlement uh, announcement earlier this week. You know, we have to mm. agree on certain facts, <laughs> otherwise we won't. Yeah. We can't. Yeah. Okay. Finally, to the screen, and we might stay with you, Deb, and you've nominated a film that I also think is quite underrated, actually, Contagion by Steven Soderbergh. Now, why is this worth re-watching? Yes. So this movie came out in 2013. And this movie is really, um, it's about basically a world undergoing a a pandemic, like a viral pandemic, which obviously we have witnessed that in firsthand. But what's interesting is that I began to use that movie in classes that I was teaching when I came here to Australia, uh, teaching global politics and global governance. And so in 2019, I had students watch that movie because it was a way of getting, okay, you know, when you watch this movie, who are the big actors, Um, what would need to be involved if we had, but it was still very fictional. And then I had students in February 2020, when the course began, I had them watching again. And it was already very eerie because we were, you know, mid-February 2020, we were like, okay, some of this is already happening. Mm. And since 2020, it's been fascinating for students because most of them, like my students now, um, you know, have been born, some of them like in the, you know, early 2000s. So they they were barely, you know, they they probably haven't seen it. But it's been a really interesting movie now to rewatch. Lots of good questions, as I recall. Sorry, there were lots of very well-scripted questions about the ethics of things and the Exactly. Doing things while your judgment is just completely clouded by quietly controlled panic. That was what I remember from it. Yeah, because now we can really compare Mm. um, with, you know, our own experiences and to think, hey, you know, in the movie, they thought this part was going to be so much easier. This had nothing to do with what actually happened in real life. And even to think that if somebody in the movie had said, well, the president of the United States is going to be recommending people to basically drink bleach. Mm. You know, he would have said, oh, come on, people in Hollywood are just completely making things up. This is absolutely unreal. It would never happen. So it also, in some ways, you know, I think the fiction was a lot more restrained in thinking that people would behave rationally. Okay. And now finally, Olivia, you have warned us you're not a big watcher of television. (laughs) So you're going with a British comedy classic that I adore Uh, in the thick of it with Peter Capaldi as the foul-mouthed press advisor to politician Nicola Murray. Why have you raided the archives? I just look. That's all I do, Geraldine. I love raiding an archive. (laughs) Um, I just love this show so much. I watch it on repeat often. It just brings forward the absurdity of this whole democratic project. Whilst I love it, there are also some things to laugh at as well. And, yeah, if if you enjoy a loud-mouthed Scottish tyrant who's belligerently yelling at inept politicians, then it's probably a good watch for you. And Yeah, and of course, you know, um, it was probably modelled, people say, on Alistair Campbell and, of course, his podcast with Rory Stewart, yes. um, uh, all about um, the, the rest is politics, is now the most listened to podcast in the UK. That's wow. how extraordinary <laughs> he's converted wow. himself. And look, I know you don't want to self-promote, so I'll do it for you. The Centre for Information Resilience that uh, you now um, uh, work for, 
has an incredible interactive project called Eyes on Russia. Now, what's that? So, look, the Centre for Information Resilience uses open source intelligence capabilities or open source information gathering, um, which is basically just really high-tech Googling, uh, to track military movements and human rights incursions in Russia. Uh, we do, it, we do it in Afghanistan and Myanmar and elsewhere as well, but the Eyes on Russia project started at the beginning of the war and is now, I think, one of the um, biggest troves of data on all of the military movements and, and conflict What's that has gone on. What's happening in Bakhmut and everything? Are you, yep. Yep. All of that all ghastly of stuff yeah, that was coming out this week, on. I could hardly read it. And where can we access it if we want to? Eyesonrussia.org. Eyesonrussia.org. Well, look, <laughs> thank you both very much indeed and um, we'll, we will access various uh, suggestions. So thank you, Olivia Perry-Griffiths and Deborah Burros-Leal-Farias. Thank you both. Yeah. Thank you thank so you. much. There they are. <laughs> the people you were listening to. Uh, and it was great to hear um, their various picks. And I might add, several people have said, what was that music? It's Texas Sun by Karangban and Leon Bridges, if you care to uh, check that out. And do go to the Saturday Extra website and we'll have a list of their picks. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.